Hello and welcome to Legends of the New Republic. We are here for our first official episode. I'm David and uh, I am one of your hosts for this show as we read through Star Wars Legends books following Return of the Jedi. Uh, Tonight we begin our, our first novel which starts literally hours after Return of the Jedi ends, Truce at Bakura or Bakura or uh, however you say it. Truce at Bakura by Kathy Tires. Uh, and this one's going to be fun. So let's buckle in and uh, meet the rest of the people that we're going to be talking to tonight. Hi, I'm Chris. Um, you've never heard of me, and that's intentional. Um, that's about it for me. Next person. <laughs> right, did so, everyone remember uh, to silence their phones before we started? I um, did. Of course. Cause Who totally. has their phone making noise in this day and age? <laughs> that's that's a kind of point. a good point. Yes, the last time my phone went off, I forgot that I had set the alert tone to the sound that the soldiers in Metal Gear Solid make when they see you. It <laughs> scared the crap out of me. <laughs> that's the best. Just sitting in a silent room all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> that would do it, too. That would do it. Hi, I'm Jason. Uh, I'm one of the other hosts for this adventure. and uh, Let's jump into this. I'm Kat. I am one of the hosts. I am a massive Star Wars fan and really looking forward to uh, getting to discuss all the many mistakes that the Skywalker's family has made throughout the years. I don't think you can count that high. Mm -mm. (laughs) Like, I don't think anyone can count that high. Let me try. (laughs) Disney tried to, and then they gave up and just killed off all of Legends. Do or do not. There is no try. Fair. Okay, I'm I'm Jay, the 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 token, the token gay trans girl who's just over here living her life as a complete disaster. I don't even know where how I got into this podcast. The door let was left open, and I just happened to stumble in. I think. <laughs> Jay is the cat that wanders in through an open window that you end up adopting. Now I'm just picturing this podcast as like an old-timey bar or like, you know, the saloon (laughs) in a Western. Just suddenly Jay comes breaking through the the double doors and we're all just like, oh, hey. We are Moss Isley's (laughs) Cantina and Jay walked in immediately after Obi-Wan cut somebody's hand off and was like, Ah, it's going to be that type of day. (laughs) Good job, everybody. Good job. All right. So uh, we are starting our uh, run of books here with uh, Truce at Bakura by Kathy Tires. It came out in 1994. uh, And uh, this is one of the first of the the Expanded Universe books, the old Legends books that came out. Um, There were some before, I think. Really, the, the what most people consider the beginning, chrono, uh, not chronologically, but in terms of publication, for Legends was the Thrawn trilogy, which came out the year I was born, I think. Um, but this is only three years later. And this is chronologically what happens right after Return of the Jedi. We will dive into chapter one here. And chapter one literally starts with Luke coming back to the fleet from the party with the Ewoks at the end of Return of the Jedi. He is exhausted and he is achy. And uh, lots of things are about to start happening to him because oh, Truce at Bakura. You know those Ewoks, total total party animals. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, they well, had a lot a, of there's... stormtroopers to eat. 
in terms of background uh, for uh, Trusit Bakura, there was some interest in sort of exploring right after Return of the Jedi. Um, and it's uh, I found it interesting that the the dedication of the book is it's dedicated to John Williams because Kathy yes. Tyers listened to the Star Wars soundtrack pretty much just like on repeat while writing it to make sure she was writing in the right tone for Star Wars. I thought that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, is there really another way to write a Star Wars book properly? Exactly. Like, yes, hopefully with a keyboard. influential enough that she felt like the book should be dedicated to him. No, I found that to be so interesting because I was reading that and I was like, I need to make a point of this because she doesn't dedicate it to George Lucas who made the universe or anything like that or any of the actors. It's like, oh yeah, the guy who did the music, he's the <laughs> dude. That's the book I'm writing for, guy. Like, <laughs> that's like a weird thing to me. Like, We are talking about the mastermind behind the Star Wars soundtrack who not only wrote the Star Wars soundtrack, if I remember correctly, he wrote Jaws. He made mm -hmm. one of Indiana the best, Jones. most Indiana recognizable, well. most Superman. intense horror themes with two notes on a Don't piano. Forget. <laughs> Don't forget Jurassic Park, too, guys. Jurassic I mean, if there's a big hit that's been directed by Spielberg or Lucas in the past, like, half a decade, he probably wrote the score for it. We do not question the big yeah. artist energy of John Williams. We do not question that. My only point is, is that if I were to like write a spinoff novel of someone's video game, I don't go, hey, to all of the um, like special effects editors, you guys, my man. <laughs> That's all I'm saying is the normally you well, be like, according to the well, brief, you very should, brief research. Those people work hard and they deserve your respect, god damn it. Frankly, I actually <laughs> feel bad now. <laughs> I, I'm gonna go the, write a very, book. very brief research that I did indicated that she dedicated it to him specifically because um, she felt like the music was what helped her get into the the headspace of Star Wars while she was writing. Because mm -hmm. this is the first time she wrote Star Wars, and I'm not sure if she ever wrote Star Wars again. I'm not sure um, I'm upset about that. <laughs> but we'll get to that. We'll get to that how later. You think of this book? Oh, I'm so curious though. Oh, she did write Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. She did write more Star Wars. Oh boy, people have opinions. This is going to be fun. Oh no, I wasn't joking. When I was like, yeah, I've read like the first chapter, probably not all of it, and I could talk for 30 minutes. Oh yeah, no, I've got I've got some things. I have things I feel. <laughs> she she looks like she wrote a bunch of short stories that we will get to eventually, but um as part of some of the anthology books. But anyway, let's let's dive into chapter 1 of Truce at Bakura and we'll sort of get to the plot as we go. But this is this is a book famous for some of the stranger things uh in the Star Wars legends not the strangest things but uh there's some weird stuff in this book it's up there are are, mm -hmm. are there any demogorgons <laughs> there's no demogorgons but it, we're close <laughs> where is where is 11 and why aren't there more egos <laughs> so like i said this book literally starts off in chapter one with luke returning to the fleet he is completely worn out so two things uh, after uh, Return of the Jedi. He actually, I, I think at one point in the chapter, he can't remember how many days it's been since he met Palpatine and all that went down. He keeps having to remind himself it's been more than one. He just hasn't slept. It's not just one continuous day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, but there's actually a line in it where he says the longest day of his life in the opening yes. lines, which means I think they're actually saying it's been one solar day yeah, since that's what all I, those events happened. That's what I got. It, it does state... Well, I think at one point he says... Um, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Kat. Yeah, it does state um, at one point um, th that was just earlier today. No, yesterday. That's, uh, that uh, he was in the Emperor's throne room. So it, it has been 
between 24 and 48 hours. Well, that's because yeah, we don't actually I, know how long days are on Yavin <laughs> or Endor or okay, any of the so, planets, really. So this may be a stupid question based on someone who does who has never interacted with Star Wars outside of the movies or the TV shows. But uh, how do they record dates? If you know, there like is an imperial calendar out there somewhere that I believe they made <laughs> up. But none of the authors use it, so it's kind of pointless. So they just assume that days are the same length everywhere and that they correspond to our days. Kind of. Simplicity. There is, think... there is galactic standard time, and I believe there is a book that defines a day in galactic standard time as something close to like 30 of our Earth hours. Oh, you know, I do remember that. And if, you I, that. if I, I remember thought it was... Like... No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I thought, I thought like galactic standard time was like Coruscant. Time. Yeah, right. yeah, it's uh, based on Coruscant, and if you yeah. look at Greenwich uh, Mean Time, it's the same basic principle, you know. Uh, you've got uh, GMT zero, and then planets are rated as plus X or minus X off from the galactic standard mm-hmm. time. Yeah, now that you say that, I remember that. I-, I don't know that they actually ever really reference it a lot. No, time is time. an illusion. The force, <laughs> you know, covers all. Jedi don't need to worry about it. Look at Yoda. He was chilling out in a swamp for like 20 years and like <laughs> There's some clearly really didn't affect his sanity. Timey-wimey uh, stuff I, going I'm on. Actually, I'm pretty sure that there is at least one birthday party celebrated in Star Wars, but we'll have to find that out. That was Life Day, <laughs> like, and it's the birthday party of the stuff. universe. I know there are holidays and Wookie stuff Life Day. that are... We do not talk about Wookiee Life Day. Oh, oh, but we we actually have to because that's the podcast. No, <laughs> it, it, it's going to happen sooner or later. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it will come up in one of these books. <laughs> almost, almost guaranteed. Actually, um, so I don't Luke think is... it does come up in any of the books. Yes, it does. I I know at least in the new canon it's been referenced, but I don't know about Legends. I, I just got done listening to Mercy Kill. From you know, like oh. the, the last X Wing. <laughs> oh yeah. And okay. and there's there's some acknowledgement about it. I mean it's it's like a funny nice. comment or two, but yeah, it's 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 in there. <sighs> well, uh, then you'll have that to look forward to if and when we get to Mercy Kill. Anyway, <laughs> we can even get to this about first episode 40 years. because <laughs> that's been our biggest roadblock is just staying on track on this first episode. So back to chapter one. <laughs> so yeah, actually, back no, to chapter one. Chapter one. I I have comments. I have thoughts. May I have them now, or should I hold off? Um, let me summarize the chapter real fast, and then we'll dive backwards and we can deconstruct it. Cool. But I want to get through the summary real fast. Jesus. So Luke David, comes back. You're, you're, you're... <laughs> On the drive, your your cursor is just going crazy. Are you okay? Oh, I, my uh, fingers keep brushing against the mouse and clicking. I've got like a side <laughs> button on my mouse that keeps clicking everywhere. I thought you were anyway. having like a boxing match with your arrow keys or something. <laughs> well, no, I'm looking at the words micro seizures on the screen and it's it's setting me off. Um, Luke, <laughs> I don't know what that meant. Luke is coming back to the fleet. Like I said, he's exhausted, he's tired, and he's in pain. And as it turns out, um, there's a reason for that. He doesn't know this yet. He'll find that out a little bit later in the chapter. But he has had um, massive amounts of of bone calcification across his skeletal system caused by his recent electrocution at the hands of 
uh, Emperor Palpatine, which I think is a nice touch that they're not just like, oh, okay, yeah, he got hit by lightning, he's fine now. <laughs> which is what tends to happen in Star Wars when someone gets hit by Force lightning. Is It's like, as soon as it stops happening, they're fine. Well, well this is the I like the yeah. <laughs> the only exactly. one we've seen able to actually produce it. To be than... fair here, Mace Window and Windu did not technically survive long enough after That's being electrocuted true. either. Fair, fair. <laughs> well, and also to be fair, it's arguable that Sidious never actually suffered damage from the lightning. It just merely revealed his actual underlying corruption. And so he really didn't even hurt himself. He was just like kind of <laughs> becoming the awful person he was hiding that whole time. He was just so terrible that even the dark side of the force said, you need a makeover. <laughs> this, Amen. this is what but this is the thing about force lightning is the way lightning actually works because i've gotten to play with lightning a few times and it's been a lot of fun um i got hit by it so Ooh, um do you okay. have a burn do you have a lichtenberg effect i do not because okay. it was like it was like a couple feet away, but like myself and 20 other people ended up like passing out for a couple seconds. It was oh, wow. pretty neat. And then we were like, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> and you all joined yeah, hands having, and became a weird electricity cult. electricity run through your body is not fun. I know that from personal experience myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, basically... It's not fun, and Lucas is definitely uh, feeling it in this chapter. Um, he... He's got micro seizures all across his body that are happening, and he's in pain. He doesn't know what's going on, and he'll find that out once he gets to sick bay. Um, but before he goes to sick bay, as soon as he gets back to the fleet, he basically finds out that someone is planning to go out in an X-wing uh, to rescue Wedge Antilles. Woo, Wedge Antilles! Uh, we will learn to love Wedge. Uh, <laughs> learn. <laughs> yeah, if you don't already love Wedge, I I, I literally screamed wedge out loud during the rise of skywalker during yes. his like two second cameo and my wife laughed at me very hard because i was the only person that made a noise in the entire theater <laughs> when that happened <laughs> i i i have a well that's not a star wars story so i'll i'll hold off on that story <laughs> every time david yells so, wedge, so wedge at the tv uh, somewhere <laughs> disney starts smiling wedge is baby <laughs> wedge is currently trapped uh, as Luke gets back to the fleet, because the uh, fleet has intercepted an Imperial message drone. It's old technology that used to send messages, apparently, by shooting these, like, robot, basically robot spaceships out um, to deliver messages when, for some reason, either before they had the holonet or when that wasn't working. And Wedge tried to uh, access it and, I guess, tripped the self-destruct <laughs> mechanism. Being Wedge, he jumped out of his X-Wing and put his hand between the two crystals that have to touch to blow up the the, um, the ship. Like so he's you. just sitting there in space mm-hmm. with his hand stuck in a bomb, Wedge style. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Luke's like, okay, I'm in pain, I'm tired, but I gotta go help Wedge now. So he jumps in his X-Wing and goes flying out to where Wedge is. Um, and he shoots his, his lightsaber out of an, ex- an ejector port on the X-Wing and uses the force to cut Wedge free. Um, Wedge, I don't really understand exactly what happens. It looks like he jumped free of the device as Luke cuts it and somehow knocks himself out <laughs> or is exposed to vacuum. Well, it was a little unclear to me when I read Part of what happens, as far as I can tell, is that Luke actually, like, force possesses him to some degree. And oh, yeah. And yes. takes yeah, over his part. body, which is apparently a thing he can do now. 
that yes. that was something that definitely caught me off guard. <laughs> okay, yeah. it but happens this is... a couple times in this book, and I don't know if it ever happens again. But yeah, Luke, Luke can sort of see through other people's eyes in this book. This is back to Chris's feelings about things. Let's finish the chapter <laughs> overview before we can then we can get rolling. Well, I, I was going to say they kind of added on that with the sequel series because both Ray and Kylo were shown to have similar abilities of being able to yeah. look through other people's eyes. So it's definitely something that is canonically a force ability. So I Do you understand cool. we are looking at the new canon. Like this is the canon. Like <laughs> this is what they pulled from. Like this doesn't justify the other thing. This is the thing that made the thing that they justified. I, I know. It was interesting. Well, I, I um, don't know. I'm just, I'm just here for the ride. I no, don't know what the difference you between make a good legends point, Jay. or canon or whatever. <laughs> you make a good point because they do actually show someone doing a power very similar to this um, in the new movies. And up until then, I, I think this was sort of a force power that got relegated to the to the we tried it. It wasn't something that we wanted to keep trying keep. So I kind of thought it was cool to see it get resurrected. But yeah, so Luke uh, uses the force to see through Wedge's eyes so that he can see the bomb before he disarms it. And he um, feels Wedge's pain. Like specifically, and not only this, okay, sorry, this is my feelings. Keep going. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, we'll dive back into the chapter after this. So, so after uh, he saves Wedge, they call an evac shuttle to get Wedge because he's unconscious. Um, Wedge ends up in a back to tank and Luke is treated by apparently the same medical droid that treated him on Hoth because it's the same name. Um, well, that's that, just all the, that's, that's just the model of medical droid. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's another surgical C-3PO droid. Like droids. It's just a specific one that we know as C-3PO, but there are like a bunch of 2-1-B medical droids and a bunch of different R2-D2 droids that gets covered in later books too. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, he, he's treated by a 2-1-B surgical droid that tells him about everything we talked about where he's, he's experiencing all these after effects of the force lightning and basically the droid says stay in sick bay and luke says yeah no thanks and he runs off to the war room luke is like i'm a protagonist exactly (laughs) over here like that didn't stop my father after he got his hand cut off why would it stop me (laughs) yeah exactly he's just like i can't stay in the in the infirmary I'm a plucky. I think he, boy. he steals a wheelchair or like a hover wheelchair. Yeah, he steals. And basically, a he's chair. like, "Fine, I won't stand up, but I'm still going to the war room." <laughs> so he floats his way to the war room, where they finally decode the message from the drone that Wedge uh, tripped the, the self destruct on, and uh, it's a message from the planet Bakura, uh, basically saying that they are under attack by unknown invaders, and it's begging the pal uh, the Palpatine. It's begging Emperor Palpatine for help. He's like, you know. We don't know who these aliens are, but they're beating our defense forces. Please send the fleet. Uh, Leia chimes in at this point and says that she thinks the rebels should help Bakura because it's quite possible that if they do, they could get Bakura to switch sides. And it would be an example to the rest of the galaxy that the Alliance isn't a bunch of terrorists, like the Empire says. Uh, and then Akbar's like, well, we lost 20% of our forces at Endor. I don't know if we can afford to go. Uh, and Han, which is Han a says, very generous assumption. Like <laughs> I almost guarantee, if I went through and pointed to the ships that died in that scene, it would be way over twenty <laughs> percent. It's funny because it seems like that's even more than they lost in the new canon, since Endor was sort of the turning point in new canon, and they just sort of steamrolled the Empire after that point until Yaku. Um, so they actually seem to be in a worse position in Legends than they were in new canon. That's because new but, canon uh, had no good military advisors. <laughs> uh, Endor, so basically, 
Akbar says, I don't know if we can afford to help them. And uh, Han says, nah, Leia's crazy, but she can't do this alone. Uh, we're going to go, Leia can be the ambassador and we'll just take a strike fleet out to, uh, to help these people. And then everyone turns to Luke floating in his chair and says, no, go back to bed. You can't go. (laughs) (laughs) They, they recognize that two out of three of their chaotic leaders are assigning themselves to a mission. And they know (laughs) that the third chaotic person in the room is chomping at the bit. And they're like, children. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they send Luke back to sickbay, and that's end of chapter one. So we can give some thoughts on chapter one before moving on to chapter two. What did y'all think? Well, Chris before, is chomping at the bit. <laughs> before Chris says anything, because I sense yep. it through through the screen. And stuff, um, <laughs> I just really relate to Luke in, in this chapter, um, both with the... Immediately after he gets back, he finds out that Wedge is in trouble. And, like, it's described as him coming out to the X-Wing fighter bay with one leg in his jumpsuit. And he's, like, (laughs) hopping to the ship trying to get his other pant leg. And I was like, imagine, imagine if you're an X-Wing tech and you see... The hero of the Rebel Alliance, who has single-handedly destroyed one Death Star, and then, according to rumors, single-handedly killed both the Emperor and his right-hand man less than 24 hours ago. And as it turns out, he's a complete dork who can't fully dress himself. This is, this is a classic case of what overly sarcastic productions on YouTube called Thank goodness. Crouching moron, hidden badass. I love that. Pretty I much. I mean, channel. Luke Skywalker is an enormous dork, but we love him. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, Chris, you've restrained yourself long enough. What are okay, your well, I was about to say, if anyone else wants to speak for the next little bit, now's a good time to start. <laughs> Jump on it. I'm not I'm not too keen on chapter one. Like, I don't really have a whole lot going on with chapter one. So Okay, okay. Uh, well, I'll, I'll good. talk with you, Chris, I was about at some say, points in time if I disagree with you. Cut in, do whatever. I will I will be rolling for the next little bit here. Um, I love this chapter so much, but not because I enjoyed it. Um, in the beginning, there's a wonderful phrase that, like, and this, is, this is kind of, I will, like, I operate in two modes specifically, the, like the hyper-specific and the wildly general. To begin with, I never even considered the idea that the party on Endor was happening in the same day as all the death and the fighting. Because normally <laughs> speaking, like history, like history tells us that after you have a battle like that, you spend like the next week cleaning it up because there's a lot of stuff that needs to get put away and like that needs to get cleaned up. And so like I'd always picture that as like, oh yeah, like once they got done with the battle, then they were like, cool guys, let's eat and have fun and hang out. I wasn't like, oh yeah, Luke stopped in the middle of his like whatever Luke was doing to be like, yeah, let's party. <laughs> let's let's go knock back some brewskis with the Ewoks and then we'll get back to business. Uh. Well, but like for for dealing with so much death and destruction and such, um, you need a point in time where where people can like blow off steam and such even if cleanup efforts are still going on so i always pictured the party at endor being like uh uh, 
uh, walk in and leave as as you please type of thing. Whereas like it's an evolving door party type of place. Way, yeah, the way mm-hmm. that the Ewoks are throwing a party. If you want to join them, you're welcome to, but you can't stop them. So the way the way that I see it, <laughs> the way mm-hmm. that I see it, looking at this from the perspective of the rebellion, in the course of a few hours, they have destroyed a second Death Star, they have killed Vader, and they have killed the Emperor. <laughs> the, yeah, they're, they're course, definitely partying. There's a hat trick. Like, well, this is the thing. Like, the I don't three, disagree. The three biggest, most direct threats to them have just been wiped off of the face of the galaxy. They don't have a reason to worry. They're carefree as can be. There aren't going to be any sequel series because we won, right? There are no more stories to be told. The universe has ended. We won. The good guys win. Yeah, that's that is that is fair. That being said, it takes like logistically speaking a long time for any group of people at all to know anything happened. You know, like we had holdouts from like World War II out hiding in islands in Japan, like for like decades afterwards. Like, I'm, all I'm, I'm saying I'm is, like, what, what's I'm going I'm immediately on? reminded of that one town in the Appalachians that was discovered that still thought the, that the Civil War was going on. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Slaves and I, stuff it, in 2008. I, I didn't know that you knew about my hometown. Um, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Transitioning now. Um, but no, it's like, so I, I think that it, it's something that I can see why they did it. I can see kind of the ideal behind it. I don't think that anybody familiar with like moving that kind of like those number of people around in any kind of way would think that happened. Like maybe the, like if you think about just what we saw in the film, it makes sense that the Ewoks were like, yeah, cool. We finished our deal. We're done. We don't care what happens with the stormtroopers or anybody else. Like, we ate half of them anyway. Um, we're good. <laughs> but, like, you have to think that the Rebel fleet is still in massive disarray at this point. Because if they've lost 20% of their units, you have to think that at least, you know, half again, that number is massively damaged. And people are, like, currently trying to, like, keep their ship from exploding or falling out of the galaxy. Like, just falling out of the sky. Like, um, that that kind of a, that kind of a thing. Um so that was something that was like, oh, I had never thought about that. That's that's kind of interesting. I don't think it's terribly realistic, but that's kind of interesting. Um. <laughs> and and on, on the other side, what I kind of immediately thought of was the Empire side of it. Because we're talking about this massive, ever-reaching-out Empire that controls like hundreds of planets that their head has been chopped off. And their second-in-command's head has been chopped off. And 90% of them don't know it. Yeah, 90% of them don't know it. The 10% that do realize that there's a power vacuum there. So there's probably already some kind of power struggle going on that we haven't seen yet. You are correct, and you will see that shortly. (laughs) Uh, Actually, I have the... um the source book that came out from West End Games RPG when this book came out, because back in the day they would release source books specifically to go along with novels. And one of the things that's in that book that isn't as far as I can tell in the actual novel is that the Death Star was, so Endor is basically in the butt end of nowhere and there's no holonet nodes near it. And the Death Star was the actual hub for all communications via the holonet in the area. 
And so when the Death Star went boom, all the Imperial fleet that fled the battle, they don't have any way to tell anyone else what's happening. So a lot of them have just literally been like, all right, we need to get to a planet that has a radio (laughs) so that we can tell everyone what's going on or not tell them as the case may be. Um, So they've sort of just like run away to try and figure out what to do because they can't even talk to each other without using these message drones or shuttling people from ship to ship. Technology and this is how you tell that the empire was run by um, evil mystics and not by bureaucrats (laughs) because I'm sitting there like my bureaucratic ass and as I'm sitting there like, why do you not have duplicates? Why, who didn't think that redundancy was a good thing. Why didn't Where we make a second Death satellites? Star? Why didn't we make a second Death Star? Oh no. No, no, but like, why, well, we why bigger, don't so you okay. have additional yeah. satellites out there? Why don't you have a m- multiple military bases? Because like the Endor system has at least three habitable planets, habitable planets and or moons. Um, why did you not take care of the Ewok population and just <laughs> blast them from orbit? Like, right. they're right. potentially murderous teddy bears. Exactly. Who wants to your deal overconfidence with is your me. weakness. Definitely still applies to Palpatine. Well, and Absolutely I would, does. I would also carry through the idea of everything is following according to my design. So, I mean, like, when you're like, I've seen the future and I'm pretty sure I've got this. Maybe you don't like really take into account little things like logistics. Okay, exactly. Okay. He just, he I was have so an anxiety he was disorder, win. though. So if I could see the future, I would definitely sit there going, "I need to plan more stuff." <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> more safety precautions. With what you guys are talking about, it's almost kind of reminiscent of like Nazi Germany, where where Hitler was kind of you know, "Hey, we're just going to do this," and and like you know. The people under them are like, well, we got to kind of, you know, plan for other alternatives, right? No, 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 just do this. It's okay. We'll, we'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and the, the source book also points out that not only did Vader and the Emperor die, the Admiral of the Imperial Fleet also died. So it's like, not only does, it's like, nobody has any idea who's in charge anymore, and they can't ask anyone because their radios don't work. Perfect. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of a perfect storm for the Rebels to get away with the fact that they're just still sitting at Endor not going anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. As as you do. So, this is my this leads into my next point. Um Okay. I I think that I would I would love to talk about the writing at some point, but I feel like maybe I should read more of it before I do that entirely. I felt the <laughs> opening description of like the planet hanging like an opal, I think what was it? It was a turquoise. No, like a turquoise. I just stopped and scratched my head and was like like a turquoise. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like I please describe this yeah i was I, I think that they were trying to mean like a turquoise stone like because i think that's actually a gemstone but yes yes it's not clear it is very um ambiguous and not in the good way that i like <clears throat> yeah there was for me the 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 issue that i have with the writing um come comes from character from the characters Mm. like i forget if it's in chapter two or chapter one um but when leia is talking about how she's so angry at han but han solo but she's so madly in love with him because she's angry i'm like where is my strong and independent leia (laughs) 
I don't think that the chapters I've read so far. Where's my Carrie Fisher? First of all, I take. No, go ahead. Sorry. Half of the Empire Strikes Back is literally Han and Leia arguing with each other while the rest of the Rebel fleet moves around them because they're so used to those two arguing and then making out. <laughs> right, so I right. feel actually I, that that is incredibly in character for yeah, Leia. Their, their whole relationship I mean, I mean, is based on it, angsty it, tension. It matches, it matches what happens in the film. I guess what set me off was just... Um, the 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 way the way that she was saying it did not sound like leia to me mm, oh yeah no that's fair, that's fair. i mean and a consistent problem that legends had is because so many people write in it the tone for how characters think and talk in their internal monologue tends to vary a lot um, and i think leia kind of got the short end of the stick at least in the first couple of chapters here i'm not sure the rest because it's been a while since i read this one but did you put your name in the goblet of fire <laughs> yeah, this is very, very, you know, wildly varying portrayals of characters. I, um, I do think it's accurate, though, that uh, she immediately volunteered to go to an oh, yeah. unknown yeah, planet definitely. to oh, no, that's uh, definitely be the, the diplomat. And, he, and it's very in character for Han, too, because he just jumps up and he's like, all right, you can't talk her out of this, but we shouldn't send her by herself. Well, and that being said, there's also... During that during that uh, meeting, I don't know if anybody else paid attention to it, but this is part of the reason why I do actually like this book is uh, the the sideline descriptions of some of the characters because during the meeting where they're discussing what to do with Bakura, uh, Han is described as lounging casually against yes. Princess Leia's chair, like on the floor. <laughs> so like. <laughs> in a chair very serious meeting and then you have han solo who has decided that his goal in life is to be a trophy husband at this point (laughs) just like is he actually like one of your french girls and then you have actually on the floor in that scene like i I believe so like solo lounging like like, casually is kind of his mode of operandi I was assuming that yeah, was on the well, back of the chair, not on the floor next to it. <laughs> I mean, either I way, they would be in character for Han. <laughs> and, and, and I, th- I, th- I really think the cherry on top with all these these descriptions in that meeting is just Luke Skywalker, last known Jedi ever, <laughs> is 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 a true master of the Force. And he's just in a floating wheelchair instead of just a regular chair that he could make float himself. (laughs) Or, you know, he could have just literally floated himself to to the warm, like, just Why flexed he... on the doctor and well, been like, He no. did mention that, um, you, you see in his internal monologue, um, after rescuing Wedge from the bomb, that Wedge, in a very Wedge move, decided, I'm going to stick my hand in this. Uh, Would you say that he wedged himself Well, I guess between uh, the whole big showdown with his father um and you know all the other he's had to put up with i guess he's had kind of a rough day so i'm gonna give him a pass on this one well here's the other thing but 
here's the other thing. Where is Wedge's wingman? Why is he by himself? I, I think Luke Who is Wedge's man? wingman because Luke is what was Rogue yeah. One. There are other point. pilots in the entire thing. Like Luke wasn't there during the battle. Wedge was almost assuredly flying in it, which means clearly well, he had a wingman were... then. Yeah, but well, what are, what it are they going to do? The I mean, they don't have pilot. lightsabers of the Force. Yeah, well, no, I, but I've, this is the I've, thing. I've, like, go ahead. I was going to say I've seen stuff. I've seen stuff in in other like books and stuff that like in. You know, if there's not an actual battle going on, they kind of like they'll they'll have like one or two guys out as scouts. So I think in that case, it might be possible that Wedge was just kind of out on like a, a a battle damage, you know, a battle recon type thing. Mm. You know? I think that's what they said. Even yes. is that he was just out scouting, and instead of doing anything, he went closer to it, then set the self destruct off, and then jumped out to go stop that from going off. Well, I'm like, right, realistically, Ridge, this is a simple scouting mission. <laughs> just going to go look around. There's no way possible that you can mess this up. Five minutes later. Hey, uh, this is Wedge. I think I messed it up. <laughs> just wait till you meet I Hobby. I stuck my hand job. to the thing. I stuck my <laughs> hand to the thing. It's going great. <laughs> I just kind of imagine oh. this as like the Star Wars version of a child sticking like a fork into an electrical <laughs> outlet. <laughs> Speaking of, of for the sake of hoping to get through again. at least two of our chapters before we have to stop for tonight, I'm going to move us on to chapter two. Unless anyone else has uh, strong thoughts about chapter one. Oh, so uh, many! Because I think maybe four chapters was thing. ambitious for an hour. <laughs> um, I I think that it's really interesting. Uh, near the end of I think it's chapter one, he uh, Luke when he's leaving the meeting room, um, passes by a, a Gotal guard and. Yes. Like, I thought it was interesting that the author chose to, like, mention this specific race and talk about how they can actually sense the force through, like, their head cones, whatever those look like. They, they um, have horns. I've seen pictures of them. Yeah. They, so, think of, like, a They basically have big horns. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I would assume based on the name and given the fact that authors are like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> But I thought it was interesting because I think it really sets things up for the next alien species that we run into. Yes, it will be uh, interesting to see uh, what happens going forward. I have um, I have a so one parting two... thought. Ah! Yep, yep, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have one. I like in the midst of my many qualms, I have one actual parting thought that I think will be useful for us moving forward. Um, when Luke finds Wedge, when he is trapped. I did not say wedged, when he is trapped <laughs> by the crystals. Um, Wedge make a comment where he says, yeah, these are back from the old elegance period of like these different things. That's oh, yeah. interesting to me because essentially that's the writer going, I'm trying to connect this universe to like itself and to like a deeper past that is at this point unlike unrealized, unfleshed out, no one really knows what's going mm -hmm. on. And the way they choose to do that is by alluding to other characters and other comments within the canon. Like, that clearly is a reference to Obi-Wan Kenobi talking about a more elegant, um, you know, an elegant weapon from a more civilized age. Yeah. Right. It makes no sense. Well, and sense. I also think it's really funny. Oh, go ahead. Uh, and it, it's, it's crystals as well, which is uh, similar to what we see with lightsaber construction as well. So very much does make sense. Well, this is the thing. It makes no sense for an era of like construction to be known as that. 
because that's not a, like that is not a term that you would apply to those kinds of constructs. It's something that Obi Wan was saying specifically about lightsabers, and it's not mm-hmm. something that Wedge would necessarily believe or have the education or the familiarity with these things to be like, oh yeah, here. However, the writer being like, hey guys, I want you to remember that this thing came way back when, like back when Obi Wan was doing a thing. They tied it back to Obi-Wan doing a thing, which I feel like is kind of the flaw in a lot of these, probably these earlier works as they're trying to establish the universe, is that they don't have the courage to strike out on their own, and they're referencing back to things and trying to make them fit um, rather than creating new spaces. I think that's fair. I actually thought that in the context of now having the prequels out, it actually makes a lot more sense that he says that because he's talking about the style of construction and, and the style of, of what things were made out of and how things were made. Really, if you look at the old Republic, all of their stuff is shiny and sleek and doesn't really look like the stuff in the, in the original trilogy. If you look at the Nabu starfighters, you look at anything on Coruscant, it's all built in this very like elegant over designed, over stylized style. And now that we've got the prequels, it makes so much more sense that, Wedge would be like, oh, this is from back in the old elegant days when people put all this crap in and made things out of crystals just because they could. And then now we're we're not in that period anymore. The Empire is very like austere and they build things for efficiency and the rebels are basically using whatever they can get their hands on. They don't have time to make it look like a shiny, elegant crystal matrix. uh, This this actually relates to a big gripe that I personally have with the Star Wars series, which is the timeline, because like original trilogy they're all talking about the Jedi and the Clone Wars, like these super, like <clears throat> they call it an ancient religion. <laughs> being a Je- and like, you know, the, and the Clone Wars, oh, that was so long ago, etc., etc. And then you've got Luke Skywalker, who was literally, Luke and Leia were literally born before the, the Clone Wars were over. And then this all happens while they're teenagers. And then you've got Han Solo, who's, <laughs> about twice their age, if I remember correctly, being like, I don't know what a Jedi is, but it's a bunch of malarkey. You <laughs> should right. know what a Jedi is. Yes. You were alive when they were still kicking. He's, he's right. not Je- twice their age. He's he's only like about five or six years older, I thought. Yeah. And I think so. I feel like, you know, first of all, growing, well, you know, you find out in later books more about um, Corellian culture and such, but like it's, it's such that growing up on Corellia, it's understandable that Han Solo would have. Yeah. Well, but then you've also got the scene in the Death Star with Vader, and one of one of his one of his subordinates says something like, "One of his clearly know, you, middle-aged you have subordinates." You a cult following of that old religion, and it's like this guy it was probably alive during the Clone Wars. Yeah, he was probably yeah, alive denied- when the Jedi Council was one of the strongest organizations in the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, like... Then- yep. That's like saying well, somebody's yeah. like... So oh. the thing to know about Legends is at this point in Legends, A, the prequels didn't exist, and B, the only reference that they had actually established that I know of was back in the Thrawn trilogy. And I think the Thrawn trilogy said that the Clone Wars were over 50 years ago. Right. <laughs> so, well, And this is, this is part of what I'm saying, is because of they're so desperate to establish their story to like what they perceive to be established canon... They take every little comment that someone else has made and try to expand on it to make it bigger yeah. than what it should be, which is what causes the problems we're talking about now. Mm. Well, and that's way, fair. I think it, in a way, it kind of 
you know, taking out the context of the prequels and the sequels, it, it almost, I, I feel like that whole elegance era kind of adds to it because mm -hmm. regardless of, you know, what we know from the prequel series and the Clone Wars, it appears that most of the characters, for whatever reason, don't seem to know the history of the galaxy very well. And that could be for a number of reasons. Mo my best guess is Empire propaganda. That's the explanation they end yeah. up giving most of the so, time, is that you know, Palpatine really made it impossible for people born after the Clone Wars to have any idea what actually happened during it. And, like, using the, his Force powers, he probably got rid of some, some people's memories of said events. So, honestly, it kind of <laughs> makes sense that people would all have these different names for the different bygone eras, even if they had no clue what they were talking about. Yeah. I mean, as with most of star Wars, you just kind of have to apply your own patches to the holes in Canon and the plot, because, mm. you know, it is and a I very cobbled together. Expanded by saying it, but you know, it's, you, I, well, I try to look at both sides of an argument. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's well, and I, I, think I think that, all of that makes sense. I think what makes sense most when thinking about how to like construct the different threads in it, is to basically think about where the constructive and creative visions are. The films are very different from the books, and the prequels are very different from the books that had come before them. And the problem right. is, is that they all try to interlace and then try to autocorrect and try to like solve problems that weren't necessarily problems, which actually is really great, and I really enjoy and comes up with some fun story elements. Um, but yeah, that, that was my general point. I think that I will be keeping an eye on it as we move forward to find more moments yeah. like this. I mean, I agree with you. I do think there's some holes that they tried to patch that didn't need patching, and that has never changed with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. It's still happening with Star Wars. Right. Um, I mean, look at the last, look at the sequel trilogy. Yeah, I mean, you have so many, well, even like every movie one. that comes out, there is somebody trying to look at Rogue One. Thread we didn't need to, to know else. how that worked. We knew they shot the thing and it blew up. We were happy and fine. We didn't need to be like, oh, yeah, it was secretly a trap that the guy had built into it because he was angry and also <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen. Like, <laughs> I actually liked that, but I just said oh. because it was not the focal point of the entire movie, it was just sort of like, this is how we connect. Jin to it. And anyway, mm -hmm. we have officially gotten to the point where I don't think we're going to get through chapter two tonight, which is fine. This is still we're so early many in the thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that we have more thoughts rather than few. It's better to have overflowing thoughts than not enough. So we're going to probably just stop at the end of chapter one and see if we can get through maybe two or three uh, next week. But uh, I'll have I just fewer thoughts to... next week. That's okay. Yeah. Um, Unless yeah, you actually we'll, read we'll... the chapter. Hey, oh. <laughs> Uh, honestly, a part of me was like, I hope we don't get out of chapter one because I would like to be meaningful in this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's been good. So, I mean, overall, I my thoughts uh, about chapter one that I, I really liked how much it focused on Luke's uh, weakness after the whole thing with Palpatine, where Luke is not like he keeps trying to get up and he keeps trying to go do things and he just can't like he's reached his breaking point. He hurts, he's tired, he's exhausted, even if he won't admit it, he just can't keep going. Mm -hmm. um, and I like that there's some weakness to him. There's a moment of, like, humanity and that he's just, mm -hmm. he's not Super Force Master Jedi Luke Skywalker. He's just Luke the farm boy for a moment again. And even with his Force powers, because I, I think, especially at this point in Legends, the Force was not quite as crazy as it gets, both in canon and in old Legends. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um 
it's it's generally an exceptional thing. Like if Luke were to float down the hallway, that would be a huge deal. Um, he's not he's not quite good enough to do that. Uh, the most he can manage, I think, in this chapter is moving his lightsaber around, looking through Wedge's eyes, and I think he sort of tries to dull his own pain through the Force. Well, he also with tries limited success. dulling Wedge's pain. Yeah, he does that too. Yeah, which I think. Um... <clears throat> In several instances, depending on how he did it, according to other books and such, he probably took on a lot of that pain and tiredness himself, mm-hmm. almost almost healing Wedge in some regards. So, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, that's consistent I, even with the current canon. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I try to... I've gotten so far into like the Star Wars RPG stuff in the last few mm-hmm. years that I kind of tend to look at a lot of things from... like that kind of an angle and yeah what mm-hmm. he was doing it almost certainly kind of like a like a heel harm mm-hmm. yeah know, mm-hmm. in the the new you know the epogee system mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. So. right he definitely was yeah i mean it's it's fascinating to me to look at these early star wars novels that were mm-hmm. written very much when there was nothing it was kind of the wild west because right. for every misstep that they take they do have a lot of creative and interesting ideas and as far as creative and interesting and up to you to decide how good of an idea it was. Next week we will introduce what it is that makes people think that Truset Bakura is weird. <laughs> oh, so, yes. Um, yeah. I have, I have, have a question. once we get to chapter two. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a question I, for everybody. Um, yeah. There was a moment when Luke was talking about the fact that Vader had killed Palpatine and like in his own mind was like, yeah, I haven't yet told people that technically I'm his son and these different mm-hmm. things, but I've told everyone that Vader killed Palpatine. Um, and I thought yes. that was actually a really cool kind of character moment. I wanted to hear what other people thought about it. Oh, I love that. Oh, I, I love yeah. that Luke's not just ready to come out and be like, yeah, my father is like second in command of the Empire, and I talked him into killing the Emperor. <laughs> I I have a lot of thoughts on that, especially um, given, um, I think it's in like chapter two or three, Leia's own thoughts on coming Mm -hmm. to terms with Vader as her father as well. Um, And I really love it as somebody who's um, dealt with abusive situations before uh, Mm -hmm. because it's incredibly realistic to the idea of, you know, who do you tell that like who do you trust when when your father is somebody who by all counts is is a monster um Mm -hmm. and luke goes about dealing with this i think by focusing on the fact that in the end his father saved his life and did something actually worthy of being Mm -hmm. considered a jedi um and that's very much not what Leia does. It's, it's interesting uh, yeah, to see that Leia, Leia more moves towards um, avoiding the issue of recognizing more her found family and her adoptive family mm-hmm. as hers and Vader as an unfortunate happenstance almost. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, Luke's most powerful memories of Darth Vader involve his reconciliation and his redemption arc. Yeah, or at least and... his moment of repentance. Leia, as she puts it, again, we're getting a little ahead because that doesn't mm-hmm. happen quite yet, but Leia mostly remembers the destruction of Alderaan. Which wow. is understandable. Which I think is, yeah, it's a pretty powerful moment to yeah. have fixed in your mind Both. and then have somebody be like, yeah, the guy that ordered that uh, 
or not the, not the guy that ordered it, but the guy that stood there holding you back while this happened, that was your dad. Yeah, well, and, and looking at it both from the perspective of she was Alderaan's royalty, she was their diplomat, she was their representative, and then also she grew up there. And mm -hmm. on top of that, she's Force-sensitive and was yes. close enough to, like, see the destruction happen. It was bad enough that Obi-Wan practically, like, fell over... And he was, what, halfway across the galaxy at the time? <laughs> yeah. Like, it might have been a little bit dramatic for her. I don't know, guys. <laughs> but um, I just want to say, like, with the whole uh, Luke Skywalker, like, the story he had about Vader and everything, I thought it was interesting because, like, you know, and they kind of go into it, like, you know, he's this still kind of this brash kid, but he's, you know, trying to learn how to, like, you know, be calm and, you know, He's going to have to build the Jedi Order at some point and all this kind of stuff. So he's trying to manage that professionalism type thing, you know. So, I mean, he could very easily have just come out and said, yep, that was me. I got him. I got everybody. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. the coolest. Mm -hmm. And and he's kind of has that inner monologue where he's fighting that down. It's like, you know, no, I got to, you know, I have to be responsible. I have to be, you know, the adult. You know, I don't want to, you know. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I like his response to it. Uh, and it's, it's, I'm super looking forward to getting further into this. It was, um, it was very next much, a, it was very much a Luke response mm -hmm. yeah. to, to that. So we've gotten through one chapter this week. Um, we're going to aim to do a little bit more next week, but we'll see what happens. I'm flexible. There's no reason to rush, especially when there's so many thoughts people have. <laughs> um, so I, I really appreciate y'all recording again tonight. And for everyone who's listening, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we'll definitely keep going with this book and hopefully we'll, we'll get into some of the weirdness next week. <laughs> Yeah, I, hey, I'm Chris. I don't believe in outros. Next. <laughs> hey, I'm Jason. Um, you can find me at GhostShark20 on Twitter. Um, and that's about it right now. I'm Kat. You can find me on Twitter at SeagullSoup. Don't try to find me anywhere else. You won't like it. <laughs> I can attest to that. <laughs> I'm I'm Jay. You can find me pretty much anywhere as SharkRay24. On, and especially on YouTube, I'm doing a Persona 5 Let's Play as well as uh, some other stuff unrelated to gaming, such as video essays and dramatic readings on my channel. All right. Well, thank you all for joining me, and we will catch you next time for more Legends of the New Republic and uh, Chapter 2 and maybe more of Truce Epicura. Thanks very much. Yay!